So several years ago, when we were living in Texas, one Saturday afternoon, I decided to go to a movie. And this movie I decided to go to on my own. Sherry was not really interested in it. It was an action movie. It was actually the first Transformers movie. Sherry really prefers movies where nothing really happens in the movie. <laughs> People just talk a lot, drink tea, stuff like that. So she was not interested in this movie. So I went on my own, and I took off, and I... As I started driving, I realized that I, I came up to this intersection that was perpetually under construction. And I thought, oh, I wish I had gone a different way. And, and so I'm in line there. This is actually the intersection there. This is uh, from, from Google Maps. And so I, I thought, okay, um, only like two or three cars are getting through these lights at a time. I'm going to be late for this movie. All the important character development gets set up in the first couple of minutes. I don't want to miss anything. And so I, in desperation, I looked off to my right, and there was a, a neighborhood. And I thought, surely there's a way. This was in the general direction of the movie theater. I thought, surely if I take off through here, there's, there's got to be a way through here that will be faster than waiting at this light. Well, you know already what, what happened. I mean, that neighborhood was designed specifically to keep people like me from driving through the neighborhood. So there was no way out of there. And so I'm, I'm driving around in there. Eventually, I had to come right back out where I was before, start again, and go through that intersection. Yes, I, I was late to the movie. My, my detour became a dead end. I mean, that's... that's uh, the way it is many times in life as we are on the path to a dream. Last week, we started talking about the dreams that God gives us. And another way to think about that is to think about the purpose that God has for our lives, the why for our lives. God has a why for each of our lives. As we see in Ephesians chapter 2, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a purpose for all of us. He has things that he wants us to accomplish, and it's vitally important that we stay on track and get clear about the dream and the destination that he wants us to get to, because along the way, we are all going to have opportunities to take detours. And the detours look really good at the moment, but they actually threaten the, the carrying out of the dream. If you're a student and you're, you're ready to graduate from high school, then you'll, you'll move into college, many of you, and you'll have the opportunity to take a detour in that you, you, you now have more freedom than you've ever had in your life. And so you, you have the opportunity to take detours and just have a good time at college instead of studying what you came there to, to study. In your workplace... Most of us will encounter at some point or another an opportunity to take a detour, a shortcut, and we'll have a choice to make. I know of a, of a young lady some, some years ago who in her job, her, her boss asked her to fudge numbers on reports to make their reports look better. And she had a choice to make. And am I, am I going to live with integrity? Am I going to carry out my role with integrity or am I going to take this detour? Many of us uh, will be married in life, and, and we will hit bumps in the road in our marriage. We, it will be hard work sometimes to work through the things that we encounter, and we'll have a choice of whether we want to take a detour and find happiness in another relationship over here that looks like it would be better. There's all kinds of opportunities for, for detours, and many people start on the path to God's dream and never arrive 
And so what I want us to ask uh, this morning is, how do we say no to the detours in life that look so good, look so promising? We're going to look at the life of Joseph again, and we're going to see the single greatest weapon we have to fight the detours in life so that we can stay on track towards God's dream for us. So if you would take a Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 39, that's where we're going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one on a seat close to you, on, and uh, Genesis 39 is on page 37. If you don't have a Bible at all, please feel free to take that Bible with you. That's our gift to you. Last week, if you were here, we saw that God gave a dream to a young man named Joseph that one day he would be in a position of power and authority. And what we found last, last week is that the path to God's dream often goes through a pit. In fact, if, if I read, I'll, I'll read for you just the last verse of chapter 37 where we ended up last week. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. So he is sold as a slave. He goes from a pit in the ground to the pit of slavery in Egypt, and he doesn't have any idea yet that he's just taking a huge step forward towards the fulfillment of the dream. Let's start in verse 1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So, all, so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate." Men are usually concerned about the food that we ate. He didn't have to worry about anything else because Joseph is doing such a great job. And the dream is starting to come true. Do you notice that? I mean, he may be a slave, but he is moving into a position of authority and and influence. And the author is very clear why. Verse 2, the Lord was what? With Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. In verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So the Lord is bringing this dream to fruition. And here's one thing that we don't see Joseph doing. We don't see anything about Joseph whining, about him complaining, it's not fair. I've been taken away from my family. I've been sold into slavery. God, this isn't right. See, I, I dare say that if Joseph had had a bad attitude, If he had been whining, then he's not going to find favor with his master. See, this is a lesson for us when we're in a pit. See, your your pit may well be a training ground for what God is going to do in your life later. You, You may be in a pit where you feel like this isn't right, this isn't fair, but if you whine there, you're probably not going to make it very far. But if you embrace and say, God, I, I'm not sure what's going on here, but I'm going to have a positive attitude. I'm going to trust in you through this. God will use it 
to prepare us for what comes next. So Joseph has a positive attitude. Things are going well, and now here comes the detour. Second half of verse 6. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. All right, so we have Joseph. He's, he's good looking. He's handsome. As one of my daughters would say, his chromosomes aligned nicely. So he's, he's looking good. And, but I want you to put yourself in his shoes for just a moment. He has been rejected by his brothers he, he's been removed from his family where he had safety. He is now isolated. As a slave, he probably has very little, if any, kind of social life. Here comes this powerful, wealthy woman coming on to him, propositioning him. And if I'm Joseph, I'm thinking, why not? I mean, I look at all I've been through. I, I owe this to myself. I mean, this, this would be good. But let's see what he says, verse, verse eight. But he refused. And he said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? God. See, he probably has it in his mind that this would be a sin against Potiphar as well. I, I don't want to sin against my master. But first and foremost, primarily, how can I sin against God? See, he's got his eyes, as we sang there, he's got his eyes on God, the dream giver. He has not lost sight of who gave him a purpose for his life. And basically, he's saying, Mrs. Potiphar, God gave me a dream and I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that, that dream. What, what Joseph is doing is he, he's saying, let, he's, he's letting God's dream defeat the detour. Let God's dream defeat the detour. See, as you and I pursue God's dream and the path to God's dream in our life, we will have an opportunity to get distracted by a lot of things. There's a lot of shiny objects lying around on that path. And we will have to choose over and over again, are we going to stay on path or are we going to get distracted by the detours? And if we don't have a clear picture in our minds of the dream that God is drawing us to, it's a lot harder to stay on track. But when we do have a clear picture, it empowers us to say no to the detour, even something as powerful as sexual temptation. So Joseph refuses her advances Mrs. Potiphar does not like his response. And so he's going to have to choose over and over and over again. Verse 10, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us, she's talking about her husband, he, my husband, brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. 
And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Right? She's thinking, okay, Joseph, I've had it with you. You, you refuse me, I will ruin you. And so she makes up this story. She trumpets it around the house to these other men. When her husband comes home, she tells him the same story. Verse 19, as soon as his master Potiphar heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. All right, let's pause here for just a second. I'm going to speculate just a little bit, but I think I have good grounds for what I'm going to say. I don't think Potiphar believed his wife. Here's why I say that. Potiphar is one of the highest ranking officials in Egypt. He is the captain of the guard. He owns the prison where he sent Joseph. If he hires a Hebrew slave and that Hebrew slave comes in and tries to rape his wife, what do you think the punishment's going to be? It's going to be death. He's going to have his head. I don't think he believed his wife. It's interesting, verse 19. It says, his, his wife spoke to, when his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. It doesn't say who his anger was kindled against. I have a feeling he, he heard her story and thought, oh my goodness, here we go again. And, and he has to do something with Joseph because she's made this a public thing. So he's got to do something. But, and, and he's probably thinking, I really like this guy. I mean, he's been taking great care of all of my household. I want to keep him close by. I've got to do something, but I'm going to keep him close by. I'm going to put him in my prison. I'm going to put him close, close by. Joseph, meanwhile, is thinking, what, why? Why did this happen? I mean, I did the right thing. I made, the, I made the right choice, and now I get thrown in jail. I mean, he may have been relieved to actually get out of the house and to get to the prison because she's coming after him day after day. This could have gone on, we don't know how long, months. Could have been a year, and he's maybe like, finally, I'm getting away from that woman. But couldn't I just have had a transfer somewhere? I mean, put me out in the field or something, and now I'm in another pit. And we would understand if Joseph at this point would give up, but what does he do? Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph, showed him steadfast love, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So Joseph picks right back up, keeps moving right back on towards the dream in, in a position of authority again because, because his eyes are on the dream and on the God of the dream. And he didn't let himself get sidetracked by a detour. Let God's dream defeat the detour. This would be a great message on, on defeating sexual temptation. Three steps to, to defeating immorality in your life. Num number one, refuse verbally. 
Just say, just make it clear verbally, I'm not going to get involved in this. This isn't right. I'm not going to do it. Number two, remove yourself from the temptation. Take yourself out of the situation. That's what he did. He said he refused to even be with her. And then failing that, number three, run. Just run away from it. I mean, it would be, this is a great message on that, to model that. But here's the point that I want to make to you today. You, you won't want to say no and run away unless you have something bigger and more compelling that is drawing you. It is God's dream in our life, his purpose for us. If there is no God dream, there's no reason to say no. And so it's vitally important for us to be very clear about the dreams that God has put in our life. So I want to speak to, for just a few minutes to someone who in your life, you, you're at a point right now of being tempted to take a detour. And you need to get really clear in your mind about what dream God has called you to. What's the destination at the end? I want to give you three really practical steps. Encourage you to take three really practical steps to get that dream really clear in your life. The first is to write it out. So, so prayerfully write out what, what is it, what is the goal that God has given you in, in your life? And, and it, it, could, it may be sexual, it may be a sexual purity issue, it may be financial, it, it may be an issue in your career, it could be a lot of different types of things, but, but to write it out is very powerful because sometimes we have these fuzzy little pictures in our minds and to sit down and write it on a piece of paper and for your eyes only, you don't have to show this to, to anybody else. But to write it out, what, what has God called me to? Pray over that. God, make this dream clear to me. And then secondly, to picture it. So, so maybe your, your goal is a financial goal of getting out of debt. Maybe you have a dream to get out of debt so you can be more generous with the money that God has given you. Let me give you an example of a picture that, that my wife and I used a number of years ago when we were working on paying off a debt. We had borrowed some money from, from Sherry's parents. Not always a great idea. It, was, it worked out in this situation, but we had borrowed this money and we were making payments of $100 a month to get that paid off. And so to visualize that, we made one of these paper chains like we used to put on Christmas trees. So with the little links. And so every link represented a $100 payment. And we had that up on the wall where we could see it. And then every month when we paid uh, one of those payments, we would take one of those links off. And gradually the chain got shorter and shorter and shorter until it was gone. And then we had this great celebration. And so the visualization of that helped keep it in front of us. So that when we were tempted to take a detour, like on a Friday night, oh, let's just go out. It would be so much fun to just go out and eat and get a nice dinner tonight. No, okay, here's the goal. Here's where we're headed. We can celebrate when this is gone. And right now we need to focus on getting this debt paid off. So picture it somehow. Find, find some kind of a representation that's very powerful for us visually to, to visualize what dream it is that God has placed in your heart to pursue. And then the, the third piece of it, uh, the third practical piece is to talk about it. To talk about the dream with someone in your life. Talk about it with a friend. Um, that's, that's powerful on a couple of levels. Sometimes just verbalizing it really cements it more in our minds and in our hearts. It also introduces a piece of accountability because now somebody else knows what it is that I'm going after and they can help ask me about that. How are you doing with, with that? So write it out, picture it, talk about it, 
get it clear in our minds, and then let God's dream defeat the detour. On the path to the dream, all of us are going to be tempted to take detours. Jesus was tempted to take a detour. God's, God's dream for creation is to restore it, to, to drive out all the remnants of damage caused in our creation by sin. And so in order to do that, in order to wash us clean, there has to be a sacrifice for that sin to cleanse it away. There has to be a perfect, powerful sacrifice for that sin. And so God sent Jesus. And he needed, in order to reach God's dream of redemption, Jesus needed to live a perfect life free from any flaw, any sin. And the devil came to him one day knowing that, that the devil came to him and he, and he said, uh, he took him to a very high mountain, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to Jesus, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Satan said to him, here's a shortcut. Here's a detour you can take. And, and I, I will give you all the kingdoms. I'll give you all the power to rule over these kingdoms if you'll just fall down and worship me. This is what you're destined for, Jesus. This is what God's dream is for you. And I can give it to you now, and you can skip the pit. You can skip the pit of, of death. And Jesus said, no, I'm, I'm going to stay on the path, even though it leads through a pit. I'm not going to take a shortcut. I'm not going to take a detour. And you and I, in the dream that God gives us to pursue, will be tempted to take a shortcut, to take a detour. And Jesus has modeled for us and calls us to come after him, saying, don't, don't take the shortcut. Don't take the detour. I, I, I will empower you to make those right choices. Father, um, we do come to you recognizing that you are our maker and you are our protector, you are our keeper. And so, Lord, we would just ask in your mercy that this place of worship would never be uh, marred by a, an incident where someone comes in to, to harm people. And I thank you for these individuals who have stepped forward and who will step forward, who are, who are willing to keep an eye out and to do things to uh, avert any kind of incident like that. Lord, we just pray that this would continue to be a place of safety. And even as we heard a testimony given earlier in, in the service, that families can come, individuals can come, um, and, and just rest and focus our attention fully on you, focus our affection fully on, on you, and not worry about uh, the, the harmful plans of this world. Lord, we know we have an enemy, we have a spiritual enemy, uh, but Lord, we thank you that you are greater. We are no match for our spiritual enemy, but he is no match for you. And so we just claim uh, your, your protection and your kindness towards us. I pray your blessing on Bill and your continued wisdom on him as he continues heading up this effort. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.